Hi, I'm Carmen. I'm Serena. And welcome to Soapbox Shower Thoughts. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mental health and I guess our experience of in therapy as well. And things we learned along the way. So I guess one of the first things that we wanted to talk about was mental health as a spectrum. I think often we're used to having these labels. Mm -hmm. It's like you're depressed or you're not. And there's not a lot of room for in between. Mm -hmm. I agree and I think that because of that it sort of deters a lot of people from seeking help whether that be like professionally or with people they know Mm -hmm. like their support system and like family or friends because you could be quote-unquote mildly depressed and you don't think that you're depressed enough or anxious enough to seek help or like what if you're just sad you know (laughs) and i think we often kind of minimize our own internal like our individual Mm -hmm. struggles Mm -hmm and invalidate ourselves you know like our own Mm -hmm. self-talk where it's like oh other people have it worse i shouldn't complain where it's like we don't feel like we deserve or need to Mm -hmm. talk about it i think we're sort of fed with the idea that treatment is only for those who are the most severely ill which is a very dangerous idea because then you end up with whole societies with thousands of people who are mentally ill whether that be diagnosed or not or just not mentally Mm -hmm. healthy who are not seeking treatment because they don't think they need it i mean that's pretty much how i felt Mm -hmm. in university or like in high school i was like well you know i don't actually want to kill myself you know sometimes i think about it but like not seriously so it's fine right i'm fine (laughs) that was my internal monologue and in hindsight obviously i can see how like messed up that was but at the time it's like i'm not that sad or like i'm not depressed i'm just like a little bit sad i think for you compared to me i think our stories are similar but different in that it was Mm -hmm. almost like night and day for me in terms of my mood one day i was like extremely happy Mm. and then the next day i was because of a certain event it just shook my whole world and changed me in so many ways whereas i feel like your story is more gradual Mm. did you want to talk about yours so for me i think i was like a really content happy kid growing up i had a lot of Mm -hmm. great experiences and my family was a healthy family and I had a lot of support Mm -hmm. but several years ago I sustained a really really bad concussion and I had gotten two before that which weren't very bad I recovered from them in the matter of a couple weeks but this one I am still experiencing really difficult symptoms seven years later So I got that concussion and then because I had experienced several ones before, I'm like, I don't need to go to the hospital. So I didn't go to the hospital because I knew I was concussed. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, we didn't go. So I just went home right after and I was basically stuck in a dark room for like a week. I didn't go to school. My dad didn't want me to look at any electronics just to give my mind Mm. a break and a Mm. rest so i was in a dark room for very several hours and it was exhausting and it was lonely and it was isolating so i feel like that also just contributed to how i was feeling but like the day after and the weeks after i remember feeling like really really low and very depressed and i had never felt that way before like i didn't know Mm. what it felt like it just felt like this like intense emptiness Mm-hmm. I think that because it was so night and day and because I knew what was going on, I was more encouraged to seek help. So I told my parents that I wasn't 
feeling the best and they referred me to help which was which is after like probably like a year of dealing with it alone or like maybe half mm. a year i don't know but like very very depressed very suicidal and it was only until i was part of this concussion study at a hospital and some of the questionnaires i filled out denoted that i had like suicidal ideations and it was only after that mm. that they consulted with my parents and they so was this before or after you told them that you wanted help after yeah oh, okay. so i think i, I this was a long mm. time ago but I was, I think mm-hmm. I was seeking help from like some, a couple of therapists who were like, just okay. I don't know. I, didn't, I wasn't really vibing with them mm-hmm. and I wasn't really motivated to go as well. And then I feel like it got worse, my mood. And then I did the study and then they figured out that I was suicidal. And then I went to the ER because mm-hmm. they, the clinician basically referred me to talk to my family doctor or go to the ER. And my dad's like, let's just go to the ER. So I spoke to um, a couple of people there and they said that because I wasn't showing any real intent to actually hurt myself, they let me go home. Mm-hmm. I thought about mm-hmm. it a lot, but I would never attempt to do it. I don't think I would ha- ever have the guts to actually like pull it off. I think for me it was I didn't have a good plan of who to discover my body and I think that was like the biggest thing that like I didn't want to traumatize other people. (laughs) I don't want to like go into the specifics of like how I thought I was gonna do it but just like the thought Mm. of my dad walking in to me dead was like really Mm. terrifying. So I think that was like a huge motivator in terms of not doing it. Also, there was just like tinges of hope and I feel like you helped a lot in terms of being like a really good support system for me. I mean, I tried. Yeah, (laughs) I'm still here. (laughs) We're still here. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that in combination with like a lot of family stressors was really stressful for me and then that went on for maybe like a year and a half to two years and then first year university came around and I feel like the change of environment really changed my mindset and Mm -hmm. like that year and the next year were a lot better. I was still seeking help, but I feel like my presenting problems became a bit more different. So you said that you saw like a few therapists before you kind of found one that you vibed mm-hmm. with. Do you want to talk a little bit more about so that? So I, I think I saw maybe two or three before the most current one. I don't exactly recall like exactly why I didn't like them or what they did wrong, mm-hmm. but I just feel like I wasn't getting a lot out of it. I feel like I needed something different. I don't know. I don't know if I needed Mm -hmm. like CBT or a more acceptance sort of therapy, but it just wasn't working. And I feel like when I met my most recent one, just something about our personalities really clicked. And I think that's what a lot of Mm -hmm. people don't recognize as well. It's like, it's so easy for someone to be like, oh, just go get therapy. But a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't know that like there's a lot of therapists out there that are doing a really shitty job one (laughs) and also the therapeutic alliance is so so important Mm. um in terms of really connecting with your therapist and being comfortable with expressing yourself Mm. and being in a comfortable environment to talk about what you're going through and your feelings and everything that goes with that Mm -hmm. and i wonder how many people try therapy and then Mm-hmm. Like they have one session and then they never go back because they don't, they didn't really vibe mm-hmm. with their therapist and then decide that therapy isn't for them. 
Yeah, I feel like that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, or it could be like one type of therapy like works well for someone. Mm -hmm. Like there's different methods, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's not one that's necessarily superior over the other and it it depends on what works best for the specific person. Yeah, and there's like specific therapies are also tailored to sort of like what phase a client is in in terms of where they are are in life and also like for example substance abuse Mm. there's different phases in terms of like if a client is very motivated to change their substance abuse habits then there's different therapies Mm. that tailor that phase versus more ambiguous phases where it's like i see the sort of benefit in changing my behavior but i just can't another kind of understated Mm. quality is just how comfortable you are with them right? You have to be vulnerable with them and there has to be trust. And if you don't feel comfortable with them, then you're not going to be able to get the same help that you need because you're going to be kind of already like hiding things. So it's hard to find one that really clicks with you. And I feel like if I just went to my first Mm -hmm. one and I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't really like her. I'm not really vibing with her. And after that, I decided to never do it again. Like I feel like I wouldn't get the right help that I was receiving and I wouldn't progress as I did if I hadn't kept seeing Mm -hmm. people yeah Mm -hmm. I mean it was good that your parents understood that and speaking of your parents like how did they react with all of that I feel like my mom came around pretty easily and she recognized it because she had her own battles with mental health in her life but I feel like with my dad it was really hard for him to like accept what was going on and also just wrap his head around depression and mental illness I don't know if that's because growing up he never had to really deal with stuff like that or just growing up he couldn't because his family wasn't well off so it's like you can't really think about those things when you're worried about where your next meal is gonna come from exactly yeah exactly so i had like really good privilege in terms of accessing care and resources when i needed Mm -hmm. help but i think there was also that cultural aspect of like south asian culture that just sort of doesn't recognize the impact mental illness can have on someone and just the fact that mental illness is something that someone goes through i think a Mm. lot of people in my culture don't accept that and sort of take the road of just get through it it's fine Mm. you know i think a lot of like chinese people feel the same way where it's like the mindset is you know stick your head down work hard and be strong mm-hmm, exactly you know, yeah your yeah success is based on how hard you work and you know you have mm-hmm. to have like a strong mental fortitude and if mm-hmm. you're depressed it's because you're weak like that's mm-hmm, yeah exactly. a common attitude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i agree so yeah there was that playing into it as well i don't think that i think a lot of people go through that aspect really a lot worse than i did Like, I was really thankful to have that Mm -hmm. support once they knew what was going on. But there was just, like, a lot of fear and confiding. Because it's like your parents. You don't want want them to know that you're going to kill yourself or that you're thinking Mm -hmm. about dying. Oh, I'm glad that that they're there for you. And that even if your dad didn't completely understand at first, he still made sure that you got the care that you needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he's learned a lot from like Mm -hmm. me and my brother and like the subjective experiences Mm -hmm. that we've gone through did you want to talk about your story Mm -hmm. i think i was really lucky in that i was comfortable with my Mm -hmm. therapist right from the start and i never had to shop around or anything Mm -hmm. like that um but on the flip side i also didn't seek therapy until i was very much ready to seek therapy and like ready to make a change or like you knew that you needed it Mm -hmm. but by that time i think the 
quote unquote worst of my depression was mm-hmm. over or rather I had gotten better at pretending like it was <laughs> um, like to yeah. be more high functioning or whatever. But yeah, I guess for me, there was never a stark mm-hmm. difference in the sense that on the outside perspective, mm-hmm. I seemed fine. My grades yeah. were never impacted. Like I went to school, like I've never had mm-hmm. any visible marks of mm-hmm. self-harm. I had friends at school and a relationship, mm-hmm. even though it was bad. Mm-hmm. On the outside, it looked like I was a normal, mm-hmm. happy teenager. But something that I realized in hindsight is that grades were very much a way that I used to cope and as mm-hmm. a measure of my self-worth. So I'd like work my butt off and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got an A. That means I'm a good person. <laughs> or that like it was just something to like kind of feed my self-esteem that was non-existent. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to like the whole cultural aspect we were talking about. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure your parents drilled that into your mind of like, Carmen, you have to get good grades. It's really important. You have to work hard. Yes. It doesn't yes, matter exactly. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you prioritize that over anything mm-hmm. else. And I think even though they very much love me, I think they weren't very good about showing it back then. Mm. You would be yeah, like criticized yeah. and lectured if you had bad grades. But if you had good grades, it's like, okay, good job. But like, that's it. There's not like a lot of praise or... It's just (laughs) like, this is the expectation and you met it. Good job. I remember there was this one Mm. time when I was in high school that my mom and I got into this huge fight about what I don't remember anymore, but I was trying to explain to her, I guess in the end, I ended up telling her that like, I felt very depressed and basically her initial reaction was, I don't understand why you're sad. You have nothing to be sad about. When I was a Mm. child, I had to do X, Y, and Z and it was so hard. And I acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. I definitely Mm -hmm. think that we are very privileged growing up in Canada or even like as an adult, Mm -hmm. like I will never have to experience the same struggle she did as like an immigrant, especially like from a financial standpoint. But she basically dismissed how I was feeling. And that was kind of the end of that. And I learned not to talk about it with her. Mm. And you still don't, even though that was like five years ago, almost seven now, but we've talked about it since then. It was this whole thing where like I was like secretly going to therapy in university and I didn't tell her about it. I did end up telling her mm-hmm. about it one day and mm-hmm. I think she still doesn't understand, but she respects that it helped me and I think she can see a difference. Yeah. Mm. Mm, okay. I don't know. I think that speaks a lot to how mm-hmm. helpful therapy can be in terms of like, I don't think people know that I'm depressed, but you know, once I get help people that can actually see that I've gotten better, even though they didn't know I was struggling. Yeah. And I think some of it is just the way like I carry myself now. Mm, More confidence. Yeah. And just, it's like a quiet kind of difference where like I can be more open now Mm. as I'm confident in my self-worth and it's not, you know, at risk of being destroyed by side (laughs) comments. My mom, she means And even if she makes those comments, you know that what you're doing for yourself is right. Yeah, I recognize that I'm able to better empathize with her now that mm-hmm. I've kind of, I've dealt with my own mm-hmm. baggage. And I think that's helped our relationship mm-hmm. a lot. I also feel lucky that I found a therapist that did cognitive behavioral therapy and cognitive processing therapy specifically for trauma. And I think, well, okay, actually, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. One of the main things that stopped me from going to therapy was that I didn't, like, again, I didn't think I was sad enough to go. And that I wasn't like actively suicidal. But Mm -hmm. another aspect was that I didn't want to be labeled and I didn't want a diagnosis. Like I felt really weird about 
It's just funny because that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just felt really weird about like being diagnosed. Do you think that was like your own self stigma of like I'm not mentally yeah or like Ill. I'm not crazy like I'm stronger mm, than this mm. or you're just like off a bit but you're not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kept postponing it and postponing mm. it. And then one day I was just really good mood and you know, I'm just gonna do it. Mm. And then after I made the appointment, like on the day of my appointment. I like I think Aww. I remember like almost I not remember, going like the months before that <laughs> where you're like procrastinating scheduling it and I kept telling you to just do it I just remember you having that whole spell of like yeah. I haven't done it yet but I'll do it soon <laughs> and it like never happens <laughs> but you did it which is great and I think it's important to be more compassionate towards yourself yes. in terms of like that's the whole process of recognizing that you matter and your emotions matter and how you're feeling even though it isn't enough to be an inpatient at a hospital it's enough to warrant help you know yeah and i don't think that there should be any marker or like mm-hmm. thought where you say okay now is the time i think everyone could benefit from therapy one way or another mm-hmm. whether or not i don't think it necessarily needs to be like a clinical mm-hmm. psychologist there's group therapy, phone counseling, and there's different avenues that I think people don't look like or seek into because, again, they don't want to be mm-hmm. seen as someone who yeah. needs therapy. And I think general society, like stigma has changed and it's not more and more people are open mm-hmm. about their mental health. But even then, like I like personally, now that I've on the other side, <laughs> I myself like I'm as open as possible with people and like in class and friends even if i'm not super close with them because i want them to know that it's normal and okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's always that weird line of am i sharing too much Mm -hmm. because i know a lot of people aren't at the stage where we are Mm -hmm. like they they stigmatize mental health and they don't view it the same way that we do Mm -hmm. but i don't want to censor myself no i I get that of people distancing themselves from me and if they do then that's their prerogative Mm -hmm. Obviously, like there, there is a fine line. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, hey, I just met you, and like I'm gonna tell you all about my PTSD. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what I was going to say is that I was afraid of the diagnosis, um, mm. but the thing that I appreciated is that my therapist, she was basically saying that she's not here to diagnose me; she's here to help me, and like that was enough. That was really like all I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I don't think that you need to have a diagnosis to get help because yeah. we're all struggling in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the other piece that made me afraid of a diagnosis mm-hmm. is like, what if I don't have depression and this is just me? Maybe that there's nothing like, I'm not ill. There's just something wrong with me. The fear is that if I wasn't mm-hmm. depressed or, and yeah. I wasn't anxious and that this was just me and then it's like, well, how do I fix it then? Right. Cause in my mind, it's like, diagnosis meant that there was something I could do about it because it was like recognized as like an illness that I can Mm. be cured (laughs) oh okay yeah whereas if I didn't have depression then it meant that it was just my faulty biology I don't know and that Mm. I just need to like man up or something Mm -hmm. or like be stronger I mean I feel like a lot of people are going through that just biologically a lot of people are predisposed um i mean that's like the whole nature versus nurture debate Mm -hmm. i think i was also lucky to be in a place where i could comfortably seek help like at the university wellness center Mm. because it was separated from like my parents they didn't have to know about it and yeah yeah 
it was free, <laughs> which is an important aspect when you're broke. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm out of school, like I haven't seen a counselor in almost two years and it's been a little rough but luckily like i feel well equipped to mm -hmm. deal with and cope with mm -hmm. things now mm -hmm. therapy helps you help yourself it does yeah. it does i feel like a lot of people go into therapy with the wrong mindset of like fix my problem <laughs> yes basically i think a huge misconception is that i'm gonna come in with a diagnosis or maybe not a diagnosis mm -hmm. just the presenting problem and they're gonna tell me how to fix it like at the end of the day, if you're in therapy and you're not doing a lot of the work, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> Whether that be in mm -hmm. session or out session, like you have to be doing work mm -hmm. um, or else you're not going to be seeing mm -hmm. results or else you're not going to get better. Like a therapist should facilitate helping you, but they aren't the ones that, again, this is different based off of different modalities and different phases of where mm -hmm. a client is. But I think that if mm -hmm. the therapist is doing a lot of the work and you're just going and then leaving and not doing anything with the work that they've done or you've done in session, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think is something you did. Like you, you, you definitely took what you learned in session. I excelled at therapy. Why? Because CVT was like doing homework. <laughs> like she actually like assigned mm -hmm. me homework and, you know, me being the, you know, anal <laughs> eager student that I was, I was like, yes, I can do this. Yeah. I definitely had really low expectations going to therapy, actually. It, like, exceeded expectations. Mm. And it was, like, very challenging. And, um, like, I actually had, like, physical worksheets mm. to go through. And it was mm -hmm. hard. It definitely, like, literally mm -hmm. changed my yeah. life. Yeah. I don't know if therapy literally... I guess... I feel like for me, it was a lot of self-discovery in terms of, like, doing mm. work outside as well. I, I don't think I would have gotten to where I am mm -hmm. on my own because I was definitely a very I am a very introspective mm -hmm. person but the problem is that with trauma I kind of got myself stuck in these loops and she kind of like showed me a different way to look at it or, or they ask you questions I'm like oh I've actually never thought about it that way before and mm -hmm. and they teach you how like deconstruct the loops and your negative thoughts yeah and I had these stuck points yeah. that were so like deep in me that I didn't even know they existed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then that kind of restructured my whole idea of myself. Mm -hmm. Now you know what you need to work on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You kind of had like a stark difference between before your depression and then like after it set in. Like it was so different from how you normally felt. And then kind of yeah. like gradually got better. Well, especially after you yeah. left high school. Whereas for me, it was like the opposite where their depression was so like slow and constant with mm -hmm. me. And then therapy wasn't like an on-off mm -hmm. switch. It was still a slow progress, but I think in hindsight, like it just, I don't know, it feels like a very stark yeah, difference like to me. Yeah, I feel both of our situations are really different. Even though we were both highly depressed, mm -hmm. I feel like the comorbidity of like your trauma made it an especially difficult situation to deconstruct and deal with versus... Like, I, I had my own mm -hmm. problems as well, but I feel like it was not more simple, but it was almost like a situational depression. Versus you, you felt like, oh my gosh, is this who I am, mm -hmm. you know? Whereas for me, I'm mm -hmm. like, I know exactly why this is. But yeah, I was, this was like a long time ago, but I was going to mention that, like you said, you were afraid of labels, but I feel like I really wanted a label just because I felt like there was something so mm -hmm. wrong with me that it would have been so validating to have a label. I don't know if that's just how my mind works mm -hmm. or how I've sort of understood illness, um, maybe both, but 
I don't think mm-hmm. I got a formal diagnosis. And I feel like having that diagnosis would have been super helpful, again, in terms of validating how I felt. Just because I felt so like alone mm-hmm. and like no one really understood yeah. me except for a couple people. And yeah, there is a lot of benefits to having labeled, but I feel like on the flip side, there's also, like you said in your experience, there might be some downsides to labeling people, especially with mental illness and like the stigma that it carries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of my issues with the labels were my own preconceived mm-hmm. notions that weren't really true. Like how I thought if I wasn't depressed, then there's something wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. Like obviously now I know that's not true and I'm comfortable almost. I mean, I don't know if self-diagnosis is necessarily a good thing. I don't know. I know like it drives some like doctors nuts when patients come in with their WebMD and like, I think I have this, (laughs) but I don't know. I do genuinely think that like looking at the symptoms and like the questionnaires, if I had to like transport myself back into the mindset of when I was like the most depressed, I think that I did genuinely have depression, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Do you think that label would have benefited you Um, when you were that age? No, I don't think so. It would have just made you feel even worse. I don't know. I both wanted one and didn't want one at the same time. Like I wanted one to know, like, cause I understand what you meant when you're like, I just wanted to know what was wrong with me. Yeah. But then on the flip side, there was that fear. But now I feel like I am comfortable enough mm-hmm. with the labels and I think it helps to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think people should come out of this thinking that you need a label or you don't need a label. Mm. I just think it's important to think about why Mm. you feel like you need one or you don't need one and like your preconceived notions of why that may be. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why I like to share my story with other people is so that they know that it looks different. Um, Like I had a friend from nursing who was really surprised when he learned that like I had struggled with depression and like social anxiety. He's like, oh, but like in class, you always seem so like normal. And I think for me, it means a lot mm-hmm, to kind of mm-hmm. shed a different light because I think people have their assumptions of what depression and anxiety looks like and it doesn't always look like mm-hmm. what they think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> for me, it was like almost having like being two people at once mm-hmm. when I was really depressed like I would go to school and I don't know was different at mm-hmm. school versus at home I feel like what people stereotypically think of depressed I was at home but at school I was functioning I was mm-hmm. high functioning but I was somehow functioning okay <laughs> I mean I guess that speaks to just how people might seem okay on the outside but mm-hmm. they might be struggling as well I think we have to be more compassionate mm-hmm. towards people as well and you never really know what people are going through no, you don't. And I think that's one of the reasons why I loved the questions from that game. We're not really strangers mm-hmm. because it definitely helps people be more real and vulnerable with each mm-hmm. other. Um, especially like when you ask someone, how are you? <laughs> how many of us are honest? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a courtesy at this point mm-hmm. to just ask mm-hmm. someone how they are. Like, obviously, you're not going to be like spilling out your guts to like the guy in the elevator. But, <laughs> but I think... Um, yeah, definitely. I think checking in with your friends and family mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah, especially during this time. Yeah, people are at home. A lot of them are isolated. Some of them might not be in the best environment either. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I don't know, I saw an interesting meme where it was like a two panel thing. And the top one was mm-hmm. like, you really know who your real friends are during this pandemic. And if they don't reach out to you. And then the bottom panel was 
something like this is a pandemic if people don't reach out to you i think we should be more compassionate to they're going through their own shit as well and maybe they don't have the energy to mm, yeah exactly reach out and ask how people are doing because they're dealing with their own stuff which i thought was interesting mm. no i think i think that's a good point i've seen a few posts floating around like if you don't like leave this pandemic with a new skill then you've wasted your time or like if you um don't do the project <laughs> that you wanted to do forever yeah. it's not so the like the reason was never an issue of time is because you don't have enough self-discipline or something stupid and it's like yes if the normal factors of life were the same and you just suddenly got more time but this isn't normal life no it's not <laughs> like we're all very stressed out and a lot of us are anxious. I feel like as a society, we really like being able to predict the future, but none of us know when this is going to end. Yeah, for sure. I guess to conclude today's episode, when we were talking about mental health as a spectrum, mm -hmm. I think one last thing that I want to add is that just because you don't have it as quote unquote bad as somebody else doesn't invalidate your own experience. And I think that's something mm -hmm. important to keep in mind. Um, and mm -hmm. I know a lot of us at least for me, I am worried, like, because I don't want to be a burden. Like a burden to, to a therapist? Or, like, to my friends, oh, okay. right? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you are not a burden, and your friends would love to hear you out and be there for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you matter. Mm -hmm. And your emotions Even if matter. it's not rational, it's still, like, if you, if you <laughs> feel it, then it's there. You can't just brush it aside. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode and i know this was a more heavy one but hopefully it was at least a little bit insightful one of the reasons why i wanted to make this podcast is almost like a letter to my younger self and like things that i wish i knew mm -hmm. when i was i don't know like 14 or 16 or whatever and i hope it yeah. was at least a little bit helpful to somebody i don't know <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>